You're listening to the Ascension Roundtable podcast, your go-to podcast for Catholic ministry shop talk. Episode 17, Ministry on a Shoestring Budget. Let's face it, most of us working in ministry don't have a large operating budget, so we get creative when it comes to executing our missions. It's not easy, but it can be done. Stay tuned to hear our hosts share different methods that you can start using today to address the challenge of your shoestring budget. Welcome to the podcast. We are back and we have a full crew today. Colin Kiver is Skyping in from Louisiana and Tom McCabe is back with us from Atlanta. What's up, fellas? Not too bad. How are you doing, Colin? I am well as well. <laughs> Good to hear that. <laughs> I see Good you guys. Back, Tom. <laughs> see you guys have been practicing while we're away. Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. We're synchronizing been, as best actually, we can. Actually, Alan, I learned some uh, some good warm ups from you. She sells seashells by the <laughs> seashore slowly seven times, or something like that. I uh, my son makes fun of me because on Wednesday mornings we're driving in the car and I'm going wow, rubber baby buggy bumpers and doing all these like ridiculous vocal warm ups. <laughs> and of course, I exaggerate them greatly because we're in the car in traffic and people can see us, and it embarrasses him. So I um. I got a full dose of dad, dad, come on, dad. Nice. <laughs> Gosh, on the dad. way to school this morning. It's great fun. <laughs> so funny. today we're going to talk about running a ministry on a shoestring budget. Um, something I know you guys are familiar with. I never had that problem. We always had great wealth in my parish and most of it came to the youth group. And so we always had an overabundance of money. Really, it just I didn't know what to do with it half the time. So, you know, we just installed bungee jumps and, you know, all kinds of things in, in our in our backyard of the church. But uh, you guys probably had a problem of, of not having a lot of money, though. And, and there's maybe a handful of people out there that are dealing with that issue as well. So I thought we'd talk about that today. What do you think? Yeah, I, I mean, think that'll I, work. That's a good idea. I, I was thinking about um, the, the parish fair where we had a, a dunking booth um, to support our ministry. And we filled it full of $100 bills. Um, <laughs> but that was... No, that that's not typical of, of my experience, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> uh, do they do they spin wet? Can you spin them? Oh, you mean you didn't put water in? Just the bills, not the water. Just just the bills, <laughs> so that you you just get dropped right in there, and then then you th- if if you uh, if you knock the guy in, he gets a couple Benjamins. So. <laughs> we always did the dorking booth, and then you put me in there. We made tons of money. I was a regular in our dunking booth, and I got to tell you, it's quite fun. Were you guys in the dunking booth for real? Oh yeah. Oh, I've definitely done it. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's so fun. I I would encourage anyone thinking about it or is like, Oh, I don't know about that. Take the plunge. It's a blast. It is so fun. (laughs) Hey, a couple of shout outs real quick. One to Noah, my son for uh, giving me a hard time in the car. Um, One to Chris (laughs) and um, one to Derek uh, in Singapore. Thanks for, thanks for listening you guys and encouraging us. It's encouraging to know that we're encouraging you. I know that sounds silly, but it's true. Um, and Derek, you mentioned that um, it's not just two people listening now. So I guess with you, it had the three of us. Now we have Anne Marie, so five. 
and Chris. So five, six people, six people listening to the podcast today. So, hey, we are <laughs> tripling our numbers. It's all worth it. <laughs> um, so, Tom, you were at um, priest retreat. You were leading a priest retreat. Uh, that's where you were gone. And then you're also at NCCL. Um, so we missed you, brother, while you were gone. But I'd love to hear about your trips real quick before we um, get into the topic. Yeah, you bet. Yeah, I was at a priest retreat. I uh, went to NCCL, The went to the kneecap uh, replacement support group uh, <laughs> meeting. That was really <laughs> insightful. Um, but uh, yeah, no. So first, you're right. I did do a uh, – I preached at a uh, – uh, for a diocese in Illinois to the priests for a week, which is always fun and yet also intimidating at the same time. Because uh, uh, they're looking to you as the retreat master and, and, and that sort of thing. But, um, and, and I think I probably do it in a little bit of a unorthodox way. I don't mean that in a moral or theological sense when I say that, but uh, just because from, from my perspective, maybe it's being a, a teacher, a catechist, I am bringing in music, I'm bringing in movie clips, I'm bringing in all kinds of other things. In other words, one night I had them watch um, the 1998 uh, uh, movie of, uh, uh, you know, Liam Neeson version of um, Les Miserables through the eyes of the priesthood, the eyes of redemption, the the redies of self-sacrifice, the redies of so uh, so many themes, you know. So that was a blast Uh, and just sort of pray and talk through that. But uh, for them, yeah, a couple of things. I mean, they, we really talked about uh, fatherhood, not just the priesthood, but uh, fatherhood in, in society and what happens when the father is not involved. Um, so I had a, yeah, I, I spent one day talking about priest as the man, then another day was priest as um, uh, as bridegroom, and the thir- another day was priest mm. as the shepherd, and so I focused all my talks around those things. So it was fun. Uh, but then I, you know, I went to um, uh, NCCL, which is the National Conference of Catechetical Leaders, which was in Dallas, and that's awesome because you have diocesan directors from all over the country in the areas of youth ministry, um, RCIA, you know, adult faith formation, you name it. And then, um, you know, uh, parish catechetical leaders or, or DREs from parishes around the country. Um, a quick shout out to Gahum, who's one of our listeners from the Philippines, who actually was there. Uh, he goes by Vincent here in the United States. But uh, so uh, it was great to get to know this guy. Super cool. Um, and I told him I want to have him on the show soon. Uh, so uh, just a fantastic guy. So, uh, so yeah, I went listeners. to those two conferences. It was great. Awesome. So now we have seven listeners, apparently. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, we can have a whole intercontinental podcast because we've got we could we could get like the Philippines and Australia and Singapore involved and have like a uh, kind of around the world edition. Do you think anybody listens to us that actually lives in the United States? <laughs> So far, everybody written in <clears throat> from somewhere else. No, that's not true. Um, <laughs> so summer's upon us. We're going to head to a break here. And before we do, Colin, what do you have for us as far as tips for people going into the summer that are in ministry in the church? Well, if you live down here in the South, the tip is uh, turn up your air conditioner, yeah. get yourself some iced tea. Um, and I would say to you, dial down, but don't dial out. Um, there's definitely a a need for a break and the need to recreate, but maybe what you're doing in your ministry shifts focus. Um, a lot of people are out of town. People are going away for a week or two at a time. It's hard to do anything. That's a, a real strict program during the summer. 
Um, but it is an important time to to build culture in your parish um, by just really spending time building community. So so live it up, do life together in the parish. Um, I would also say that my experience is that doing short bursts of things, um, for example, we do a portion of our confirmation program just really over four nights. We have a couple of different options for that. Um, and it's a little bit like uh, like summer camp for chosen. So hmm. try to think think creatively. Um, even with that, we we have to involve like lots of like lots of like subway and chick-fil-a and like good stuff so that there's a lot of community building. But yeah, I would say uh, go with we, we know what works in in the culture that uh, that having that kind of like camp relaxed mentality. I think archery in the parish is also a really good idea. Um, you know, just kind of uh, get that bow and arrow going in the back. Your parish. I don't know where that came from. But I guess I was thinking summer camp. But, ah, yeah. Gotcha. Cool. All right, guys. We'll stay with us, and uh, we're going to take a break, and we'll be right back. Hey, guys. This is Shayna from Ascension. I don't know if you've heard, but with Ascension's new digital delivery platform, you can start a study with anyone, anywhere. Here's how to do it. First, go to ascensionpress.com and create a free online account. Once you're there, preview any of our study programs for free and choose the one you'd like to lead. Then, find at least three friends, family members, or coworkers who want to do the study with you. Once you have your group, make sure everyone registers to receive their study materials. Then, you're ready to go. Meet with your group in person, online, or both. It's that simple. All right, and we're back. So, shoestring budget and ministries, probably common across the world and people working for the church. Now, Mm -hmm. disclaimer real quick, money won't solve your problems. If we're in the business of building disciples, um, it doesn't take money to do that. However, having money, having resources allows you to do a lot of things that you wouldn't normally be able to do. So, we want to do a podcast, and we will do one coming up, on how to build a budget and how to do uh, fundraising. And, and we're going to interview somebody who specializes exactly in that. So we're going to um, talk about that in the future. But today we're going to focus on how do you run a budget on a shoe, how do you run a ministry, sorry, on a shoestring budget and be entrepreneurial about it. So guys, I'm going to throw it out to you guys. What can you tell our listeners um, as far as personal stories or tips that you did in ministry for uh, running it without having any, any, any money to speak of. You're broke. You want to do ministry. How do you do it? Yeah. Um, so when, when we first started talking about this episode, um, I was going back to experience, you know, personal experiences, but I was also just kind of thinking of the sort of treasury of the church's history. And there's a, there's a longstanding precedent for this. And a term came to my head. Um, it'll be like a New York times bestseller someday, but I'm going to call it mendicant ministry. Um, (laughs) that, mendicant ministry is basically that when you don't have a huge budget, you just have to learn how to ask people and to ask them in, in humility and confidence to, to help with, um, whether it be your, your, your Bible study or your youth program. Um, there are so many different, um, different situations and parishes, um, across the world. There are some parishes that are a little more affluent, and, and maybe if you're in a parish that's not so affluent, um, writing a letter to a parish that, that has a little bit more in terms of resources may not be a bad idea. Um, so, so personal experience wise, 
Um, I also went back to um, a, a while back when I, I had a friend who was in the, the CFRs, the Friars, and in New York. And I remember uh, hopping in a van with, with uh, a, couple of, a couple of Friars and just going down to the docks in New York. And I was just so impressed by the way that they were able to just ask for what they needed. Um, when I went back to the friary, I noticed that the, the homeless shelter they ran looked a lot nicer than the friary, um, and that everything in there was basically the result of donations and asking. So, so there's, I think, a precedent there. There's something we can learn in our parishes about um, that spirit of not being afraid to ask for what you need. Another thing I noticed that day is that not only did they ask for money, they asked for the specific items that they needed. Hmm. So when they were down there at the docks, they were getting the actual food they needed. Um, and that reminded me that in my own parish, when I showed up um, in about 2005, there was already a vibrant um, kind of tradition in youth ministry that had started. Um, the, the Bertussis, who are a, a family in, in my parish, um, had been, I guess, the, to make a long story short, doing, doing ministry and confirmation and some other things. And they um, had started this kind of homegrown, like very organic retreat. Um, back in the year 2000, and it had just really exploded with interest from teens and this kind of powerful outpouring of the Holy Spirit, all this stuff. And the registration fee for the retreat every year was very, very small. It was something like $40, $50 to go for this two-night overnight. And the reason they were able to to do that, um, and the reason that that continued for years and years, was because there were people in the parish who were particularly generous. Um, the owner of a restaurant, um, people who would would just donate specific items, um, people who would just really like empty out their, um, I don't know, like empty out their closets and give us all kinds of stuff for costumes for skits. So it really had that that sort of model of mendicant ministry. Um, and I saw that 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 retreat ran for a good, I don't know, 16 years really on that um, on that model. And it was not it really funded by anything other than just real spontaneous, I would say like mendicant spirit. Um, and I would think there are probably listeners out there who have similar successes in their in their own um, neck of the woods where somebody just isn't afraid to ask. And um, there are people who have the specific things you need who aren't afraid to give them to you. So, so yeah, mendicant ministry is an idea I'm developing. I like it. Tom, what about you? Yeah, I'd like to build on what you said, Colin, uh, for a second there. You know, I've always lived by Matthew 28, you know, go, therefore, make disciples of all benefactors, baptizing <laughs> their children and teach them to give lots and lots of money to you. Uh, <laughs> but I, I think there is um, the, there is a, a truth to that. In other words, um, uh, uh, three, four evangelists once said, I can't remember who they were, but money can't buy you love. Right. Can't, can't buy you love, love, but it, you know, it can certainly buy you opportunities. And I think there's something to be said about, um, um, reaching out, asking, asking, um, in humility for the money. So I've always, uh, parents are more than happy to give money to their children's endeavors and, and those sort of things. If you don't have money, um, uh, what I've always tried to do is not so much ask for the money as I would try to cast vision. And I, I would recommend that to every uh, catechist, DRE, youth minister, whatever it is, that uh, when you start casting a vision to people, to parents, to anyone, um, they get behind that, right? Mm -hmm. They realize, wow, they, they, I, I like what this guy's doing. I see them. So I would, 
I would just keep uh, talking about our mission and what we need to do, how we need to get done, and and uh, and people would come forward with that. Uh, that being said, let's just say you have no money, and I think that's even more so. What do we do in those situations? Uh, my first job coming out of graduate school, um, the the pastor asked me how much I needed for my family, and I had three children, and I don't recommend this, but at that time, granted this was a few years ago, I said, oh, I think 25000 would be enough, Father. And I quickly realized, holy shnikes, that isn't enough. So we had to take my entire budget, and he gave me a a fair budget for the year, to go toward my salary to compensate it because there was no more money that the parish council would give. So I really had no money. Uh, And so uh, I had to be exceedingly creative. And so like one of the first things I did was do a, a leadership retreat, right, for all of the key kids. And, you know, we went a mile from the parish, to a Chatfield State Park. We camped out. um, And then we ended up doing that every single summer because it was such an incredible experience. We had no money. We had to, and we had to give these kids this amazing leadership experience, right? And uh, we were absolutely creative in every single thing we did. And then when the kids went home and they started seeing the impact, the parents started seeing the impact, then the money started coming in. But, and it wasn't in terms of thousands of dollars. It was in terms of, hey, man, you want to have a volleyball party? Because one of the things I would try to do is I try to create the experience. You know, you have a back, a backyard party. And then at the end of it, you pull the kids over and you do a short Bible study. You say a rosary, you do something like that. And so we're, we're, we're doing events at people's homes that are just beautiful, swimming pools and that kind of thing. So I had no money, but once people started realizing, wow, this is the real deal, um, that's that's when money started coming in. So I saw people, I thought I needed money. And so I, I, I kind of adopted Acts 3.6, right? When the beggar comes to St. Peter uh, outside the temple asking for money and he says, silver or gold I don't have for you, but I what I do have I give to you. And he says, stand up and walk. Uh, that I'm like, you're right. Once What the kids ultimately want, want is... Uh, oftentimes happiness. They want the, the, uh, the iPad, they, they want everything, you know, that's immediate gratification, but what they need ultimately is something greater. And, and so once we start satisfying those greater needs in whatever we're doing, uh, we got better, better results. Um, so, uh, you know, regarding marriage preparation, we didn't have any money. And so like we did the retreat right at the parish, right? It's a three day retreat. They'd go home, but we would make it an amazing experience, but it was it was a retreat for those getting ready for marriage right at the parish. So very little money was needed. Uh, in the area of RCIA, for example, similar. Uh, they'd come and we would just try to create the experience, We the, the longing. Uh, just one quick strategy. Like we realized when they come, we need to pre-evangelize them. We need to evangelize them. We need to disciple them. We need to catechize them, taking them through a quick process. So on a shoestring bu- budget, every experience, we made sure that we were building relationship with them on a pre-evangelization perspective. Then we were giving them a quick proclamation of the gospel, that every time they come, they need to hear that. We do a little catechesis, and then we gave them something to walk away with. So on a shoestring budget, anybody can do that, right? Anybody can use a simple structure like that, mm-hmm. build relationship, build trust, build influence, mm-hmm. right? And then kick them in the butt and say, go do something with this. Yeah. Um, so again, I know, uh, just to make it practical, like those were things that we just kept appealing to 
the deepest longing of their hearts. And um, once we started doing that, then people said, I want to get involved. I want to help you. Man, <clears throat> the um, casting the vision is so huge, I think. There mm-hmm. are whatever, whoever's listening and whatever, whatever uh, capacity in the church that you're working, I think that um, if you don't already start looking at yourself as the keeper of the vision, and your role really is to continue to cast that vision to the people that you minister to and to the broader parish as a whole, also to parish council and staff and, and everyone involved. But that's your role, I think, is to continue to cast that vision because, like you said, people want to get behind the vision. Um, and they want to. They want to help. They want to support. And I think that's just that's just huge. Let me just give them an opportunity to do that. Yeah, that that yeah. visibility to to your larger parish community, where where they see um, they see the good that you do. Not that you're making it a show, but but they see the vision. I mean, I, I can think of my experience with the friars. Everyone knew everyone there in the docks knew who the friars were, what they were about, their um, their credibility um, was was built right into their habit. You know, so that was maybe uh, an advantage they had. But thinking of, of my own parish, I think, um, you know, back to that, that kind of first uh, like ground zero retreat I was talking about, the, the vision spread very quickly. Like, look at all these teens and how they're all kind of piled in. They're all in fire about their faith. They want to serve. Um, that became visible and that made it very easy to ask. People, people want to help something like that. Um, so, so yeah, I, I would say too, I think there may be some who are out there who are in parishes where it's not just that you don't have a budget, it's that your entire community doesn't have a budget. You may be in a parish that's in, um, a, a, a poorer area where there really aren't a lot of resources to go around. And I, I, I have heard of the, the sort of thing where there's twinning of parishes, um, not just, you know, between, uh, you know, say a parish in the United States and a parish in a, in a third world country, but, but just kind of, um, within a diocese where you may have a more, um, a more affluent suburban area and a parish that would like to, uh, like to help and support your ministry if you happen to be in a, in an area that is not so economically blessed. So that's something to look at too, is establishing, um, establishing partnerships. If you are, you may have a coworker in the vineyard who happens to be in a a parish of plenty, and you may be in a parish that um, where where all of your people are really are really struggling. Um, even if that's uh, you know funding a specific project, you you go to another parish and say, look, we we really want to you know start a Bible study, and we we just don't have like two nickels to rub together. There may be somebody out there who would who would love to help um, if you can cast the vision and have the courage to ask. Building on that for a second, Colin. I think that's a great, great strategy. Uh, um, and then uh, just being at peace with what you have. Yeah. I went to dinner once with um, this guy named Father Gregory Ramakasun. He's a priest um, in Jamaica who ran- runs the mustard seed community. Mm-hmm. He was up in Alpharetta at St. Bridget. Uh, and he was, uh, there was a, a wealthy parishioner was taking him to dinner and was interested in possibly giving quite some money to, to father for his, for mission for mustard seed. And so myself and the, and the pastor, uh, we went to dinner with father and at this, these people's house and it was in, um, I'm sure you've been there country club of the South, the right down the street there. It's a huge, a lot of athletes live in there, a lot of um, pretty, pretty well-off families. And yep. we were in there in this huge house. The guy had a private chef cooking for us. 
and so he's making this, you know, lavish dinner and we're having small talk and talking and father's talking about his mission and, and again, casting his vision as to what mustard seed does. And then he just, he was not afraid. And this was early on. I was, I was pretty much, not pretty much. I was a pretty green youth minister. I had been doing youth ministry for less than a year at this point. And, um, and I was too much, too much chlorophyll in your diet. Alan. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Too much. Is it, yeah. Chlorophyll and phosphorus. Is that right? I don't know. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> And, uh, and, but father was like, not a bit, not embarrassed to just ask this guy was giving, had already given, like, I'm talking like a lot of money, like half a million dollars, million dollars. And father Gregory kept asking for more. He was like, basically insinuating, you can afford to give, you know, even more than that. And how much and it was really challenging him. And I'm not sure exactly wow. how much this guy ended up, um, given towards father's ministry, but it was just like, I was just like. I was embarrassed for him. I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe he's just, and he was just like, so matter of fact about it, you know, but he was, but again, this guy was like, I mean, when he opened his mouth and spoke, it's like you were listening to Jesus, you know, talk directly to you. He was just, he's an amazing man. But anyway, so, um, to just to affirm what you said, don't be afraid, um, to ask. We've got to get used to asking people want to give and people want to be challenged, I think, to give sometimes. Um, but also to, like you said, there was those families that, need to learn how to receive it even though they could have sent their ch- their children paid for them to go on mission they part of the mission i think is asking for money and, and learning how to do that and so they like you said it's good for them to learn how to receive so a lot of times there are some things that we don't charge for but i think there's something to not being afraid to charge for certain things mm-hmm. either like a retreat there's something to um charging not being afraid to charge for something. People are willing to um, spend money for their um, faith development. Yes. So, uh, Tom, you want to go first? Rock, paper, scissor? Go ahead. That's fine. Okay. Uh, I was going to say, yeah, I think with regard to charging, there's there's something to be said um, where you associate value with what they're doing. So even, um, and, and it, it would be great if you can totally subsidize a leadership retreat, that's awesome. But if you can't, um, ha- charging something gives a sense of value. And also if you're a teen and it's two days before and you're like, I don't know if I want to go on that thing. Um, well, if you paid even $40 to go on it, then you're like, all right, well, I, I guess, I guess I should go. I mean, I paid for it. And maybe your mom is in the background saying, you better go. We paid $40, you know? Um, so there, there's a little bit of an incentive in paying. At the same time, you can you can make it so that whatever the charge is is not going to deter anybody who can't pay it. So you can be very upfront. Um, there are a lot of programs uh, I can I can think of over the last you know several years where we've been explicit about that. Here's the registration fee, and it'll help to fund um, those who who have are happy to to give it. Um, and those who have not, we can say, we'll certainly subsidize your being able to go on this retreat or being able to do this study or being a part of this program. Um, so, so yeah, I think it, don't be afraid to charge, but make it clear that the charge is not going to um, deter other people. Mm-hmm. Boy, ditto, Colin, to everything you said. Um, I, I've not, not been an advocate of giving full scholarships. I have done that in the past, uh, thinking, oh, we really need to get this kid on this, uh, or we need to get him to World Youth Day, or whatever it is. And rarely have they really panned out uh, to be a really, uh, uh, you know, it's hard to 
quantify those sort of things. But uh, partial scholarships, getting the the family or the person to invest in the experience themselves is important, is critical. And so I, I'm a I'm a big proponent of that as well, just from my experiences of seeing it work or not work, um, as well as your point regarding um, just asking. People want to give. They really, really do. And people who say they don't have a lot of money, which, you know, they, but it's true. None of us, we, we have, we're always trying to figure out how we're going to stretch our dollars. But uh, when there's a need for people uh, in front of them, when they see there's a need, people want to be generous. They want to help. So asking for that is, uh, has been a huge part and parcel of our life. I think if you stay in ministry, typically all of us have to learn how to ask, mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. in one way or another. And it's, it's a humbling thing. And people are, I think I've, I've seen from people, they, they admire that I can do it, but they don't want to do it. And I totally get that. I, I, I absolutely totally get that. But um, uh, we, we, Rosemary and I actually right now, we, we, um, uh, we support four missionaries. And, um, and it's interesting because two of the kids come from well-to-do families. And the parents were relatively um, embarrassed to ask for money for their there's mm-hmm. children who are missionaries. One's a missionary right out of high school. The other one's a missionary right out of college. Um, and they were embarrassed to ask us, you know, who I think we're, we, we, our money's fairly tight. So, um, but I had said to the parents, no, it's important. It's very important that they learn how to ask and that you learn how to receive mm-hmm. in that. Uh, so, um, uh, the asking is an important part of, of, I think, um, being a disciple. Yeah, good stuff, man. As always, you guys are are wise beyond your years, and you got a lot of years. (laughs) (laughs) I I think that was a compliment. Thank you. Right. Yeah. (laughs) So my my kids are my kids right now are listening in the background to Salty the Singing Songbook on vinyl. So um, if there are listeners out there who know who Salty is, he's a singing songbook. and in uh, maybe the 70s, like early 80s, a lot of um, a lot of great like early vintage praise and worship tunes were, were sung by Salty and his singing songbook family. So, yeah, my, my kids are, are doing that right now. So if you're jamming out to Salty a little bit in the background, just um, just just, you know, add it into your daily prayer time as you're listening to the podcast. Um, cast all your cares and um, <laughs> think about that anthropomorphic songbook who can. <laughs> Help your kids to grow in devotion and prayer. <laughs> yeah, Salty's pretty awesome. <laughs> um, I d- before we wrap up the show, I, in listening in, I had a few thoughts that I thought I'd jump in and share. Um, I was a teacher for a few years, and anybody who teaches, I, I think a lot of times you have similar challenges um, in the sense that you oftentimes don't have a large budget. Um, I was teaching in a Catholic school, and my department had had a small budget. And so I was always looking online for free lesson plans and free free material that I could tweak and f- form into a curriculum um, because you know, there were some curriculums out there, but they were really expensive. And so um, I, one thing that I, I learned within the first two years is that you know, I would spend hours and hours and hours looking for the perfect video, the perfect um guide for things to, you know, to move through a lesson plan or, or some content. And it took so much time. And sometimes there was the perfect thing out there, 
and it was I knew it was really good quality and and I knew that it would save me a lot of time if I could just purchase that particular thing um and but but I was reluctant to ask for the funds to do that and um I guess the point that I'm trying to make is that your time is valuable and sometimes we think you know we think about our budget but we only think about it in terms of of like items or products that we're going to buy or um you know putting funding towards um like a retreat or some experience but the the time that we spend is is money and you know if you're employed by a church so think about where you are spending your time and if you're going through all sorts of hoops and you're spending hours and hours you're trying to put together content in order to you know for catechesis or for rca or something like that you know think about it is that time better spent forming relationships um and is there can you take you know use i guess use what funds that you do have to make a purchase that might be a bigger purchase than what you're comfortable with but it frees you up to do some of the most important things which as we talked about is that discipling that relational ministry um so i don't know if that makes sense or that was just garbled but i wanted to throw it out there that's so no that that makes sense yeah all right. Well, we've gone a little long today. So uh, if you're still listening to us, thank you for <laughs> hanging in there. I had a good time today and I hope you had uh, we had some interesting and helpful information for you. Uh, if you want to leave us a comment, you can do so at ascensionpresents.com slash podcast. You can leave us a comment in the show notes or you can send us an email at ascensionroundtable at ascensionpress.com. See you next week. We love you guys. We're praying for you. Peace.